I have loved the work of Frida Kahlo and all she symbolises for a very long time. She was a flamboyant trailblazer and feminist who sought out the joy in every moment despite the cruelties life threw at her. So it is fitting that the new Frida Kahlo exhibition at the Real Store in Coventry is equally flamboyant and trailblazing. Through 360-degree digital imagery, music and storytelling, it gives us a chance to step into the shoes of this incredible icon and discover why her life and work is as relevant today as it was back in the 1950s. Her message to young people, especially young girls, is empowering as she shows us why we should always be true to our authentic selves. Every tick is a second of life that goes by, disappears and is never repeated. And there's so much intensity in that second, so much interest, that the only problem is to know how to live it. Let each and every one of you figure it out for yourselves. Live life to the fullest. Viva la vida. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to share with you stories from the most inspiring people. Today I'm talking to the exhibition's artistic director, Carla Pratt-Persax, about Frida's courage, resilience and love for life. Hi Carla, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, really happy to be here. So I've loved Frida Kahlo's work and her life story for many, many years. But for anyone who's not familiar with the artist, could you tell us a bit about her life and and what made her such an icon? Frida, Frida is just an icon because um, everybody knows something about her. I think it's difficult to find someone who doesn't know anything. At least they know her face or her uh, self-portraits or that she's from Mexico. And what makes her so relevant and so iconic is the fact that I think everyone can emphasize with her, like can empathize with her, like they can just relate to her story, the fact that she was a woman, an artist in Mexico, beginning of the 21st century. And she's so, um, her story is so relevant nowadays that I think that's what makes her so so iconic at, at the moment and such a myth. Yeah, absolutely. I think people might not necessarily know the name, but as you say, they know the face. As soon as you describe the face with the monobrow and and the way that she looked, people just remember that that iconic image. So tell me a bit about her life, because her life is fascinating. Yeah, her life is fascinating. I mean, she was born in 1907 in Mexico, in Coyoacán. Um, but she has many stories. Uh, the moment, like she, she just decided to transform and create her, her persona. So in 1910, the Mexican Revolution started, and later on, she decided to change her birth date to make it fit, like match the Mexican Revolution, because of course, it 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 makes m- much of a relevant story to tell that you were born with the Mexican Revolution, that just like a regular date, right? So just this is this number is just to tell you that how she decided to tell a story about herself, like she created herself. She made her herself up, I would say. So yeah, she was born in uh, 1907. And from there, um, 
kind of like relevant moments in her life where the accident, she has an accident that um, kind of like changes her life in a sense, because she already had some issues with her body. She had poliomyelitis when she was really young, when she was six years old. And then when she's 16, she has the accident where the bus she was uh, traveling with uh, uh, has a crash with a, a street cart. A streetcar. So at that moment, um, she spends months and months in bed. Uh, she was really injured. So she has to recover. And that's kind of like the moment that changed her life because uh, her mom puts uh, kind of like a mirror in the canopy of the bed. So that's when she started to paint. The family encourages her to paint. So she starts with uh, kind of like paintings of herself and also paintings of uh, neighbors and people around her family. And that's important because most of her paintings are really uh, small sized. And, and I think it's nice because when you see the exhibition, you see it expanded across the space. But Frida's paintings are really small. And that's because most of the time she was paying, uh, laying in be- painting laying in bed or sitting at home. So that's also uh, an, a relevant, um, uh, important fact. And then after the paintings, uh, after starting to paint, she decides to become a painter. And of course, uh, she never thought about being a painter. I think she wanted to become a doctor, but uh, the father was a photographer. So that's also something really relevant, uh, kind of like the inspiration on on doing self-portrait. I think I would dare to say that comes also from her family, um, kind of like a relationship with the image and the self-image. And then from there... um, kind of like highlights of her life go when when she marries uh, Diego Rivera, like the big uh, master painter of the era in Mexico, the muralist painter. And then from there, um, well, they were really like, she was really young, 22, and she was, uh, he was 20, he was 20 years older than her. So the mother is against it. The mother tells her like, uh, the mother used to call them the dove and the elephant. So yeah, of course, um, it's a <laughs> it's it's a huge uh, age difference at the moment. But they they she really admired her, and uh, she really admired him, and and of course Diego really admired her too. So and then from there they keep traveling and traveling. They go to the United States, they go to Detroit, they go to New York, San Francisco. They go back and forth from Mexico. And uh, she keeps painting during that time, even though at some moments she doesn't really like to to be in the United States. And and then from there they go back to Mexico. Um, they she gets to meet also the Andre Breton, the surrealist leader. And from there she goes to Paris. Um, uh, she travels a lot. She was really um, well positioned in the in the cultural sector of the moment, in the avant garde of the moment, let's say. Um, and then she goes back to Mexico, uh, keeps painting. Uh, she receives an award from the from the the government uh, for one of her paintings, like a national award. And in parallel, her body keeps degrading. Uh, she was sick since since uh, young, and after the accident, she, her body keeps degrading. Keeps uh, she she has uh, she suffers plenty of. Um, like uh, surgeries and amputations uh, from from her feet, her legs. So that's also relevant because at one point uh, her body cannot stand it anymore and she dies. So, um, but the 10 years before uh, she dies, uh, she writes a diary, a personal diary. And and I think that's also really relevant in our exhibition. 
Um, but yeah, that's just like a summary of her life of the highlights. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Uh, it's it's that uh, that notion of her be her her paintings are so um, vibrant and joyful and full of optimism. Uh, and yet she's suffering all this pain at the same time. I just think it's absolutely fascinating. And when you look at them carefully, you can see really dark undertones in the paintings. So you can really, she really expresses her inner thoughts as to what's going on. And and I think pain and disability is rarely expressed so honestly and bravely as it is by Frida Kahlo. Why do you think she did that? Well, I think that uh, Frida had the power to speak through her paintings. Um, she shared uh, with us um, her personal life and, and, and the boundaries also that she suffered. Um, I, think, uh, I think that her work represents her beliefs, feelings and life events and, and, and the way she saw them. So I think um, she used her image as, as a source of inspiration, but also she became the, the, the object and the subject of her work. So it's difficult to, to separate the private from the public in, in, in Frida's work. And, and, and I think she made her, her, her disability, her strength, her superpower somehow, her, her way of representing herself. So I think uh, in many ways, in general, we tend or the, uh, there is this idea of, of hiding our disabilities because due to negative stigmas or, but I think Frida used it in her work. Um, her, her work is her life. So I, I, that's the way she lived disabilities, right? And I think, I think like many other artists, but uh, both her life and work are intertwined. So... I think that's also relevant in the way she displays disability. And and as I said before, she suffered polio. Um, she had a, an, an accident. Uh, she was called actually after polio at school. She was called uh, peg leg, I would say. And 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 I think that she took all these um, kind of like uh, messages or problematics in her life as a way of uh, uh, surviving, as a way of living, I would say. So, so yeah, I, I think at the end she has a sentence that I like that it says, I pay myself because I'm, I'm, I'm the subject I know best. So, so I think that was her tool of expressing and, and, and presenting her life. Yes. I mean, her strength of character is just phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, she, her, her legs, as you say, were quite malformed, weren't they? But she chose to wear those really vibrant um, mm -hmm. lung skirts and she was very well known for that. So again, she just filling her life with colour rather than dwelling on what was going on. Um, and I know that the doctors said she probably would never walk again after her mm -hmm. bus accident, and yet she got up and walked. But she still needed to go in a wheelchair sometimes, and she painted herself in the wheelchair, and she painted herself lying in bed. What do you think we yeah. can learn as individuals from those messages? Yeah, as you say, she, she actually portrays herself in a wheelchair and even with the doctors uh, that uh, treated her as a, as a reward, as, a, as an award for them. And, and she had no problem in to portray herself in bed and there is plenty of pictures. And don't get me wrong, I think she, she suffered a lot. I think that um, what she had to endure it was not easy, especially beginning of the 21st century. It's not the same as, as the way that we would treat, probably medicine would treat her. But, but um, I, think, I think what we can learn from that, uh, maybe it's obvious, maybe it sounds obvious, but I think um, her work and the way she um, 
dealt with this ability and the way she showcased this ability, it's a way of, uh, it helps to give visibility to the fact that uh, disabled people can also achieve greatness and become uh, like uh, the best painter, <laughs> like the best female painter in the world. I think, I think the visibility factor is really important in Frida's work in every sense, in the, in the femininity sense also, right? Like the miscarriages, the, the, um, the bisexuality, the openness about the relationships that she had, or even the openness with the pain that she suffered. But also, um, um, I think it's it's also the fact that she challenged everything. She she challenged the established roles, let's say. So in another, in a sense, you could think maybe beginning of the 21st century for a woman to become a painter and also being disabled and also having had polio and plus the accident. So she challenged that. Like, I want to be a painter. I'm going to do it. I'm going to find my way. I'm going to find my way of painting also. Um, it, if it means I'm laying in bed, I'm going to do it. I'm going to build a, spe- a special bed for me. I'm going to do it. So I think it's also, uh, it's a matter of visibility. And I think it's a matter of challenging uh, um, the established uh, kind of norms of what we can do and cannot do. Yes. And it is so empowering. And 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 it's not just her physical disabilities, is it? There's a lot of emotional pain that she suffers as well. Her her marriage to Diego is really uh, turbulent, and as you mentioned, she had miscarriages. I know she's she's known as a feminist. I mean, what do you think is so empowering about her her life and her work to women? Yeah, I think the the feminist factor. Um, this the way it has been explored afterwards. I I I don't know about the moment. I know that when, what I know is I can imagine uh, uh, the situation of society beginning of the twenty first century in Mexico. I mean, I lived in Mexico myself for seven years, not long time ago, and and I know how society is and how it works. It's the same here. It, um, so. I think what makes it relevant for female, uh, for, for women today, and not just for women, for everyone, but it, what it makes it um, relevant is the fact that we empathize with her. Um, she's a woman that defied, uh, that dared to defy the circumstances of her life. And, and I think that tenacity and, and the, the kind of like the, the attitude she had to life, the, the, the attitude of fearlessly living and enjoying life um no matter what it's it's what i think it becomes like really inspirational for for many uh and i think that despite the the, the gender inequality in in the beginning of the 21st century uh she was not uh worried about being honest of the fact of being a woman um i think it's it's the what what puts her at the forefront of being a feminist or or the way we understand uh feminism and and i think she was not afraid of being herself uh she embraced colors as you mentioned uh she wore she wore bright colors and bold dresses and and uh, she wore flowers and ribbons she was being really feminine at, and and she was making a statement about it because at that moment the way she dressed was a statement. <laughs> so, so because traditional dressing was another type of dressing, was more European dressing. So at that moment, she was making a statement by dressing as a, as a, a kind of like a, embracing her Mexican and, and kind of like traditional roots, Mexican traditional roots. 
And and I think also the paintings that um, she touches in so many issues like abortion, miscarriage, birth, uh, breastfeeding, uh, and much more. And for and for that moment, I think it was really a statement. Uh, these these things were strictly taboo at that moment and and not speaking not being spoken into the public I would say so she she was really really brave I think she she did what she wanted and 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 I think that what I think the fact that these things are still relevant today maybe are things that we have to think about. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? That it it's what she's what she's kind of um, painting about is it, it seems even more relevant today. Exactly. Yeah, it just seems to speak to us even more. One of the things that I absolutely love about her is her first solo exhibition. She was too ill to walk, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. So she actually arrived by ambulance and, and lay in a bed so she could watch what was happening. I mean, that just shows just her incredible strength of character. Exactly. Like, not completely unapologetic, I would say. It's like the doctor says, I cannot go. I have to. Yeah, because she endured the surgery, uh, spine surgery, so she couldn't leave bed. So she decided to go all all together with the bed <laughs> yes. to, the, to the opening of the exhibition because of course like w- would you miss your uh, first solo exhibition no <laughs> no but the message particularly to to young girls is so powerful isn't it just i'm going to do what i want to do and if whatever obstacles come my way i'm going to find a way around them i love that yeah completely i think also the resilient uh, message is also really important in our exhibition, and that's what we try to transmit. I think that um, Frida's persona and Frida's storytelling has been always explored uh, around, or at least in the general perspective, has been explored from the suffering part, from from also from the love affairs part, from the suffering of Diego, from the cheating part. But I think Frida is much more than that. Um and I think it's really important and that uh, also it's the way she put into her, herself, into her art um, and the way she presented her, origin, her origins, her politics, her emotions, her body constraints. I think it's all a statement. And, and I think that's so relevant for young people, for young women also. And, and I think these themes of re- resilience and enjoyment of life are so relevant nowadays. And and there is this message, I don't know if you know that story, but the last painting that Frida did, it's um it's a still life. It's a kind of like watermelons still life. I'm sure you have seen it. And and it says Viva la vida, like uh, enjoy life. And and that uh, last uh, writing of enjoy life, uh, she wrote it eight days before she passed away. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's nice to think, um, of course, she suffered. Don't get me wrong. I'm not romanticizing that. But I think this kind of like a really, really uh, feeling of enjoyment of life until the last moment, you can find it in her diary. You can find it anywhere in her paintings. She was she was uh, full of contradictions. She was full of energy. She was full of love. And I think that's that's also and, and full of uh, willingness to live. And I think that's also a really important message in this exhibition too. And that really comes across in the exhibition. I went to the Life and Work of Frida Kahlo exhibition at The Real Store and I just loved the fact that the 360-degree projections just bathed all the walls, the floor and even our bodies in her vibrant colour and light. Can you tell me a bit about the exhibition and why it was done in that way? Yeah, sure. 
Um, so Axiona Cultura, where I work, uh, we are the ones who developed this exhibition. We have conceptualized, created, produced everything uh, of this exhibition. And, and we are a company that uh, we work in museums. We, for more than 30 years, we conceptualize, we design, we produce museums and exhibitions. I'm a museologist myself. So we have been wondering, like, what's what's next? in this uh, kind of like entertainment culture. Uh, we, wanna, we wanted to answer to that. We want to follow the, the, the kind of like the established rules of, of museums, right? Like we come from that world, but we want to do more. We want to challenge that uh, the same way she, <laughs> Frida challenged everything. So, so in this case, well, that's, what we, that's what we did. And that's what, propose, what we propose in this exhibition is to uh, kind of like expand the work, revise uh, Frida's work, our proposal. Uh, life and work of Frida Kahlo at the Real Store. It's it's just a revision of her work. It's a reinterpretation of her work uh, done by a full uh, a, a complex pool of artists that have been involved in this process. Um, and what we what we have done is just work uh, in a museological way. We have developed a curatorial uh, kind of like writing, a research. We have looked for the uh, artworks the same way you would prepare a traditional museum exhibition. But the thing here is that we have uh, kind of like translated it into the into the audiovisual world, and we have the, uh, created the immersive uh, 360 uh, exhibition. And yeah, I think uh, it's it's just taking care of uh, of Frida, taking care of revisiting Frida, and referencing her works and personal journey. Uh, uh, as a way of his, of, of presenting her work and experiencing um, uh, her Frida's work and and this kind of like captivating blend between drama, symbolism, and and emotions and inspiration. It is six o'clock in the morning. The turkeys are gobbling. The warmth of human tenderness accompanied solitude. You received me shattered and you made me whole. So for people who don't know how it works at The Real Store, it's a, it's a digital exhibition. So you walk in and as you say, it's immersive. There's, there's the, you can hear the words from her diary. So she's telling her own story. There's the music. There's the images that are all, all over the walls and, and they move as well. So it's, it feels more like a, a cinematic experience rather than kind of going and looking at still paintings in a, in a stuffy museum. I think that makes it so accessible, particularly for children. Yeah. And, in, you know, you can kind of feel like you get a glimpse of her life in hardly any time. Uh, so yeah, how yeah. long did it take to put it together and how many paintings are included? Yeah, so so as you say, yeah, it's uh, for people that doesn't know that the, the experience is a digital experience. We also have uh, our kind of like our our proposed uh, visitor journey has a small gallery where you can. It's a bit of a hands-on gallery where you can learn 
a bit more about the about Frida, about the Blue House, about uh, her uh, inspirations, her family, and then from there you go into the uh, main immersive gallery where um, in 35 minutes we we try to put the visitor into Frida's mind, let's say, <laughs> to transport uh, the, the visitor there. And um, how long did it take to put it all together? Okay, so um, more or less the, the work, the workflow was around a year, a full year of work. Uh, from the moment we decided to create the project and we started to work on the on the curatorial text and, and, and on the narrative and looking for the images. Um, and then from there we selected, yeah, what we use is more, more than a hundred uh, um, artworks, uh, a mix between uh, paintings, uh, images from the diary and text from the diary, some letters, and also a lot of uh, photos from the Blue House archive, uh, the, the, the Frida Kahlo house. Uh, so it's mainly photos from the family. Uh, it's it's uh, mainly that, and then yeah, what the work uh, here uh, it's it's also related to kind of like animation. It's kind of like traditional traditional animation, frame by frame animation, and then there is a lot of work of uh, artistic work on redrawing some of the drawings. We also even used uh, an old oil painter to to re kind of redraw the the, the flowers. Uh, also kind of a textile illustrator for the moment of kind of like the jungle moment, let's say. So that's also done by a pattern textile illustrator. Um, yeah, it's a full pack of uh, creatives from traditional animation, curatorial work, music, of course, uh, sound, uh, folly, folly sound. So yeah, put it all together shake it a bit and, and you have the exhibition. <laughs> it's an amazing exhibition. I, I've not been able to stop thinking about it since going. <laughs> I'm so happy. I just love the way that Frida's story is told in her own words based on her diary. It really feels like you're stepping into her shoes. It, do you think the fact that she kept a diary is part of what draws us to her? Yeah, well, definitely. I think that the, the diary thing, it's so mysterious and so personal, I would say. Uh, we all want to know more, right? Like uh, Frida is such an interesting persona. We all want to be friends with her. And now suddenly we know about the diary. Um, yeah, there there is also some magic around the diary because the, the diary was uh, locked away in the Blue House for more than 40 years. So there is also this story of kind of like uh, new things to be discovered, you know, this aura of mystery. But the diary, yes, the, 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 the diary is the backbone of our exhibition uh, in the text and, and the images too. And, and yeah, the, I think... Uh, the fact that she kept this diary, that she never thought it would become a public document, right? And suddenly it's a published book. You can just buy it if you want. Um, but it's also for us, it has uh, served as a, as an artwork itself because it's what it is. It's just at some points, at some moments, the diary is a sketchbook. But at some moments, it's just uh, she just writes uh, poems. But some thoughts are more emotional. Some thoughts are, some, some thoughts are more spontaneous. I think uh, it's a mix of everything, like really human. It's what Frida was, just a, a, a woman, a, a human as any of us. So, so what we do is just like a, take some pieces of the diary and we put it together to create our own story, to narrate our own story, but all the texts come from her. 
So uh, the actors that interpret uh, her voice, because there is also no recordings of Frida's voice anywhere. So what we decided to do is just imagine like how she would sound. Um, uh, so what we did in the Me in the Spanish version, we had two Mexican actresses. In in the English version, I also looked for for specific voices that. I thought could fit a bit the, the, the narrative and the emotion. So we have one that it's maybe older, more, more deep, and another one that is more soft, more sweet, that uh, each one of the voices tells a different moment of life or a different moment of, of her story. And, um, and yeah, and, and I think what, what shows is that Frida was such a poet, so it's also really emotional. That's uh, for me. It's fifty percent of the the storytelling is is what she wrote. It's the diary, and I love those moments when it, it becomes really quite intense. When there's almost like the scratching of her writing into her diary, you can see the words appearing, and it's when she's having kind of really painful moments with Diego during their marriage when it's all disintegrating because they actually divorced and then remarried in the same year, didn't they? Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Such a tempestuous uh, relationship. <laughs> yes. So the soundtrack is just magnificent. And I know it was recorded by the, the Budapest Art Orchestra. It really mm -hmm. adds to the experience. Was this an important factor in the planning of the exhibition for you? And do you think that music has the power to move us in a way similar to art? Oh, completely. No, yeah, it was, it was uh, planned ahead since the beginning that we... We wanted to do um, something specific for for this exhibition, the same way we were doing the visuals. Um, we wanted this kind of like reinterpretation included music because, um, as you said, music is an art, and and of course Arturo Cardelus, the the composer, he's an artist. So was one of uh, the artists that uh, jumped uh, the the boat of the creative team, and. The process of working on the music has been amazing because, as as you said before, this is this is this is kind of a cinematic piece. Um, we always understood it kind of like of a movie, <laughs> even though you were immersed in it. Um, and this kind of like cinematic factor, um, Arturo has been a, a really important player in this because he comes from the from Hollywood. He lives in in, in Los Angeles and he works in movies and cinema. And, and we learned a lot from him on that sense. And uh, what we did is just since the beginning, when we had kind of like uh, the narrative and we started working on the visuals in, in each scene, plus uh, each works in each scene. So at that moment, um, we... Arturo, Arturo came into the team and we started working in parallel, the visuals and the sounds. So each scene was thought uh, to have a, a different emotion. Uh, we had to transmit the different emotions depending on the scene. So that's when Arturo came in. And, and uh, the idea always was uh, to combine the European and the Mexican roots that Frida had, always create these tensions and these contradictions so characteristic of Frida. And as you were mentioning before, the moment with Diego, for example, that scene, that scene is super tense in the music. It's really, really tense. It, it's a crescendo and it's emotional and it becomes uncomfortable. And that, that is done on purpose. That's what we were looking for. Uh, so each scene has different, different poetics around the music. And that's also a work of an artist. 
And and what is important also to mention is the the Foley sound. Apart from the original soundtrack, we have Foley sound. So sound Foley sound is uh, in movies. What they do is imagine when you hear something falling. So they do this these sounds um, on a studio. So we did the same. So you were mentioning the scratching part. That's also done in a studio. The steps, the footsteps, or uh, even some of the blood droppings, for example, right? Like all these sounds are, are done in a studio. And that's what composes the, the full 360 uh, immersive experience. And it really does tell a story in its own right, doesn't it? I've I've since listened to it on Spotify and it's like I can hear her whole story again just through the music. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have the the music is on Spotify on the Arturo on Arturo's profile. And yeah, you can listen to to the different tracks of the different moments. And yeah, it's also I think it also works uh to transport you to Mexico to trans we also even used um like a mariachi sound on the back. So we, we mixed all these elements, even some European kind of bals music. So yeah, it, it really transports you there. And the exhibition has won loads of awards already, hasn't it? And I think, am I right in thinking about 100,000 people went to see it in Madrid? Yes, actually we had. That's amazing. Uh, so we are so lucky to have it in Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you have an amazing space at the real store and um, um, we are really happy that it's there. Brilliant. So do you think we should, as parents, be encouraging our children to explore Frida's life and work? And, and, and why should we do that? Yeah, completely. This is a this is an exhibition for families in Madrid. We we received uh, a lot of groups from schools and a lot of families. And I think Frida, even though we have this idea that uh, it's a hard story to be told, I think it on the contrary, uh, Frida has so many things that you can uh, discuss with children. I'm um, I'm just thinking about the fact that we have pictures of her as a child. Um, and I think that's also something that children love. I've been there. I've been in the exhibition with friends with children and uh, their children. I'm not sure about the UK, but in in, in Spain, uh, they study Frida at school. So so in many cases, they already know something about Frida. Uh, they have seen her in pictures. Um, I think it's relevant also because she's a female artist. And I have to emphasize that this is the first immersive exhibition focused uh, on a female artist, because normally we have Van Goghs, Monets, uh, Picassos, right? Like all of them are male. But I think it's also relevant the fact that to explore the art history from another perspective, from a gender perspective. And I think Frida is a good example to talk with children about art and, and female artists. And, and of course, about Mexico and colors and, and the fruits and, and the animals and how she um, explore uh, her heritage through the the dressing part and, and everything. And, and yeah, and I think we can talk about her personality and her persona and her, uh, her self-representation, especially now that children is much more digital and they see themselves and they represent themselves also through through um, Instagram or any kind of social media. So so I think I think Frida is like a full uh, package of uh, elements that you can discuss also disabilities. Um, so I, I think I think there is plenty, plenty of, of, of topics that you can discuss with children and young crowds uh, around Frida. 
Yes, uh, she is the original queen of the selfie, isn't she? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and and just, yeah, I mean, it's such a nice way to, because the children are just so Im- immersed in social media now. It's really nice to try to pass that on to for them to express themselves in an authentic way. Completely. And, and sometimes I wonder, like, what... Frida would be now, like if she had social media, I think she would be such an influencer. I, I I think so. I think that she would be an influencer because she she made her, herself up. She decided who she wanted to be. She created her persona and that's plenty of what we see nowadays. Um, so yeah, I think it, it makes her super relatable and, and, and super engaging for young crowds. It really does. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you very much. I enjoyed it too. The Life and Work of Frida Kahlo exhibition is at the Real Store in Coventry until January 29th. Go check it out. I wholeheartedly recommend it. You can find out more on the website coventry2021.co.uk. This is a laudable production produced by Matt Millard. You can download or stream the Brummy Mummies podcast on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow and subscribe and tell your friends about it too. You can also follow Brummy Mummies on social media for lots more ideas and sign up to our free newsletter via the Birmingham Live website. See you next time.